Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated. A no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. A big day on campus at the University of Arkansas for football. It is report day for the guys. After a few weeks of quote-unquote off uh, reporting and getting ready for everything that the next... Month is going to bring them. Well, a little less than a month now since we are uh, 30 days away from the start of football season, Arkansas-Cincinnati. And practice begins tomorrow. Sam Pittman met with the media yesterday afternoon, about an hour when we were finished with halftime. By the way, that he started his uh, press conference at the time where next week we'll be finishing the show from 11 until 2. So we've been pushing it all week long. Next week, your favorite midday program moves from two hours to three hours, and that will certainly tamp down all of the demands of a third hour <laughs> of halftime finally and the disappointment that you haven't had it yet. And uh, that means we got to come up with more content for you guys and give you more reason to stick around and have some fun with us. And it's also going to open up more opportunities for you to speak, you know, more opportunities for... Uh, us to get to know you, the listener, as uh, often as we can, and uh, maybe play some more sound from Sam Pittman and the rest of the crew as uh, we go throughout this next month. There's going to be a lot to talk about, certainly once the coaches begin speaking with the media and media get their eyes on 20 minutes of practice or so. Uh, So Sam Pittman yesterday, first of eight availabilities uh, with the Arkansas media and we've got some sound to play for. A couple things stood out here. Uh, Torian Carter, a defensive tackle who mm. came on at times last year and I think is expected, was hopefully expected to do some big things this season, uh, is 
Not going to practice uh, necessarily, but he's going to be with the team, at least uh, to begin the season, uh, dealing with an injury that cost him quite a bit of time uh, in spring. And who knows if he's going to get out on the field very much, but not going to be uh, practicing at least. But they'll have him around the team. Dominique Johnson, Sam Pittman said, uh, very well might not be ready to go for the first game for Cincinnati. Uh, Expects him to be able to get into practice uh, later on in the month, uh, but also dealing with an injury that's going to keep him sidelined for a little bit, and that's going to open up a chance for Rocket Sanders to start running away with uh, the running the number one running back job. Although, Drew, when you listen to Coach Pittman talk about uh, the way that he would like the, 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 the carries distributed, I don't know if it's going to be quite as equal mm. as it was last year but it's pretty obvious, and he spoke to the idea of even recruiting to uh, to these thoughts to lessen the pounding on these running backs' bodies, not just for their time at Arkansas, but then for once they are looked at as professional prospects, they've taken fewer hits, and 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 the body is not necessarily broken down as much as maybe some other. Uh, college running backs are, and and that's an idea to recruit for. Like, you're still going to get plenty of carries, mm-hmm. but you're going to be with a team that's going to try to run the ball down a, an opponent's throat, and you won't you won't be quite as as beaten up. Here's Sam Pittman on the running back situation with Arkansas. A lot of teams don't have a feature back. Uh, they'll you know they do it kind of by committee. Um, obviously, if you have one that's that much better than somebody else, you're going to get him. You know eight, ten carries more a game than the next guy. But kind of where we feel like we're at is that we have uh, three guys that, you know, four when Dominique gets back um, that we feel like we can have success with. Obviously, you have a depth chart for a reason uh, with Rocket being number one on that. But we just try to keep them fresh and, and uh, you know, but if Rocket's fresh, he's going to get the majority of, of the carries. You heard Sam Pittman say the you know four once Dominique Johnson comes back healthy. Uh, last year you had a four running back room, you know, with Traylon Smith, with Rocket, with Neek, and AJ Green, but still it was KJ Jefferson that led the team in attempts and rushing yards. You have a four man running back committee, not committee, but essentially position group right now. When you throw in Rashad Dubinian, who I think is mm-hmm. is going to probably be the freshman that gets the most carries, and of course Green. When Johnson's healthy and Rocket number one, to me this all says there's no reason for K.J. Jefferson to lead the team in rushing attempts and in yards gained on the ground. I see right now, and you're going stri- to distribute these carries. I want A.J. Green to get some carries. Once Johnson is back, I want him to get some carries too. But it does sound like right now, and you didn't have this quite often last year because – you know, Traylon Smith occasionally would lead the team in, in, in rushing attempts, rushing yards in a game. Just talking about the running backs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, KJ had plenty of time to run and did run a lot. But by the end of the season, you, you were trading back and forth between Rocket and Neek. You never quite knew if there was an RB1 for Arkansas last year. Maybe early in the season, you knew it was Smith because he was the veteran and and more of a, of a guy that you kind of knew what you were going to get, and 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 then Sanders and Johnson kind of started taking over a little bit to where the point where Smith was he got two carries in the outback bowl and transfers out to UTSA. Rocket Sanders is RB one, and maybe this is a good thing for the start of the season to establish this running back early. I mean, early in camp, 
Rocket's going to get the ball. He's going to tote it quite a bit. That's a good thing. It is a good thing, and it's a good thing for recruiting purposes, like like he said. Because in, in today's co- in today's football in general, we've we've seen the running back be devalued at the NFL level. You don't see them being taken as high in picks. You see a lot of running backs by committees because of the wear and tear that it does take on your body. I mean, you don't see that signature running back on a lot of NFL teams. You don't see that clear-cut one guy, he's going to be in there every single play like you you did 10, 20, 30 years ago. And it's a good recruiting tool because you can have a large running back room and say you're still going to get your carries. You're still going to get the opportunity to put up statistics but we're going to limit it. We're going to limit the number of hits that you take on your body, which is going to be good for the next level. Because what does Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney's all their big recruiting pitches are about? It's all about getting you to the next level. And if you can show that this system of a revolving door type of situation where you have three, four guys put up, maybe not great numbers, you know, because you're just not going to have the amount of carries to put up the great numbers, but good numbers and get that tape and get that and show off that ability, it's going to create a good recruiting system, which hopefully will translate onto the field. And when it comes when it comes to Rocket Sanders, I think it's great, but it, this definitely helps out AJ Green because coming into the year, most of most people thought that it was a one A one B type of race between Rocket and Dominique Johnson. Well, now this gives A.J. Green a chance to say, hey, hold up. I'm not just going to be the third guy. I can step up. I can be that, too. And, and heck, maybe he does well enough a job in training camp here in the next uh, following month to, you know, have a serious conversation about him being the number one running back on that depth chart. But as far as it goes with, with Dominique Johnson, hopefully he gets back and he gets healthy because you know what he can do on the field and just – the more guys you have in that running back room, the better ability you have to run the ball. It also takes blows off of KJ Jefferson's body, which is a good thing because while you have Malik, while you have Fortin, neither one of those guys are proven. KJ Jefferson is proven, and you want to keep the proven guy healthy and upright as much as possible. I wonder a little bit, though, about like the ability for a running back to really start getting going. Rocket last year averaged just under nine carries per game, and, and, and usually you didn't get an Arkansas running back that got to 20 carries very often. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the wear and tear on the body is one thing. I mean, these kids are also... Rocket's a tank. He's a rocket, you know? I mean, he can handle a certain amount of hits. It's a fitting name, yes. Probably more than 10, 11, 12 carries per game. What does it mean to be RB1 for Arkansas? Because with some teams, it'll mean like Tyler Beatty from Mizzou last year. (laughs) 30, 35 Mm -hmm. carries on occasion. For Arkansas, what does it mean? I don't know if it means 20, 25 carries. I don't think it does. Here's what it means for Arkansas and what it means for a lot of college football programs out there. Being RB1, the only thing that really separates it is you're out there on the first play and you get your name announced on the Jumbotron before the game. (laughs) That's pretty much it. You get to 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 run through and hype everybody up. Exactly. I mean, that's pretty much it. When you do, and you see this happen at a lot of schools, you run... So many different guys out there. There are there aren't many Tyler Beatys out there. They they just aren't. That's not the way that this board has evolved and has gone to. So truly being the number one running back now just means hey, 
I get to be on the Jumbotron and say my name and say my hometown, and I'm out there on the first play. That's all. Right. That all guarantees you anything. Well, I, I I would imagine though, even if you're even if you know you're going to have to split the bags, if you are running back number one for the top power five rushing team in the country, which Arkansas mm-hmm. is, I think from coming back from last year. And, and, a, and a program that right now ran it an average of 45 times per game last year may run it even about the same or more than last season. When you've got four out of five offensive line starters returning and a, and a good battle at left tackle, too, I think it means you are one of the dudes in the country. You know, the, you're one of the you are one of the top running backs. I saw I forget the list that that someone put together because it's list season right now, and I don't mean like you know big game boomer sooner or whatever. <laughs> I don't know where he gets his information. Uh, where did I see Rocket was listed as the 33rd top running back in the nation? I just have a sense he's a little better than 33rd, especially when he's going to get about 15 to 16 carries per game, be featured in the running game. This is somebody that is going to be. I'm not here to tell you he's first, second team SEC, but I think if he's RB number one for a running game like this, I think there are incredibly big things ahead for Rocket Sanders, not just here at Arkansas, but at the next level too. Well, I think you also might need to subtract that number just a bit because, like I said, Dominique Johnson is going to come back. A.J. Green is going to be there. There's a talented freshman in there. But also, and because we've seen this happen when he plays quarterback, they love to get Malik Hornsby on the edge. Uh, outside the box. So what does that mean, especially if he's lining up from the slot? You're going to see a lot of sweeps. And, and that's going to while and that's a running play, so that will still add up to your average of 45, but it's going to take away a carry or two from those guys. So I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we see that be a big part of this running game as well. No BE, we don't know about who C3PO is either. We're just RB1, which I guess would be a good name for a droid. I just hadn't <laughs> thought about that. to get with us on halftime. And uh, at the bottom of this hour, we have Josh Rawich joining us. He is the president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame, was a grew up listening to Vin Scully in Southern California, and then got to work with him for uh, quite a while in the front office for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Josh will give us some memories of the one and only Vin Scully, who we pretty much spent the entire show on yesterday. Bob Holt, gracious to move to hour number two. Bob was at the pressure yesterday uh, of, of uh, Sam Pittman. Also spoke with Eric Musselman at a press conference where we got word that Nick Smith may not participate all that much, if at all, in the European tour because of a finger injury. All that and more on halftime. We will come right back. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. To the guys, here's Phil Elson, Matty T, and Drew Barrett. 
Boy, I wonder if this uh, this song might be floating through Britney Griner's head right now. My gosh. Yeah. Oh, oh, you got the connection where I played right. that after the, talking yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. It's nine and a half year sentence was what they were asking for, what the uh, Russian prosecutors were asking for. I guess she got, like, quote-unquote leniency. Did I nine see years. that it was possible she could have gotten death? It's Russia, man. Anything's possible. I like, thought I, I saw that's, that's she, a crazy that she thing. asked like, for not the death penalty. No, I saw that the maximum sentence would have been 10 years. Oh, okay. She gets nine years in a penal colony for, I don't even know how many... Vape cartridges she brought in. I think it was two. Uh, not even a handful. It was two no. vape cartridges. What, is that? what, what does that mean? Like they're shipping her off to Siberia? Like to work in a, a mine? Leg? Yeah. I don't I mean, the penal colony to me is a. Is it a, sounds like a work like camp. A, yeah. It's like a work camp. That's exactly right. Yikes. Well, now the negotiations between the U.S. and Russia will uh, we'll, we'll start in. In in truth, now because uh, you're going to end up with a prisoner swap here. Yeah, I think they're going to uh, trade her for like some kind of guy that was like an arms dealer or something like a yeah, really so really someone whose nickname really was bad the, dude. Someone whose nickname Maddie I think is the Merchant of Death. Oh my god! Really? That's who they that want. Sounds back? like yeah. That sounds like a comic book villain. Well, I don't know if we've got any uh, you know big time Russian athletes mm. you know in prison right now across the country, and there's plenty Probably of them here. Do. You know, you got you got basketball players, you got hockey players, mm-hmm. gymnasts, ice skaters, and the like. If I'm what that a joke! Player. What a joke! It, it really is. It's a miscarriage of justice here. It it's, really uh, is. I mean, it's it's anything to get back at the the United States, and obviously showing obviously not just the United States, but ninety five percent of the world uh, backing Ukraine and and the war that Russia and Ukraine are f- currently fighting now for over six months. So it's just it's just a little jab by by Russia just to you know get under the, try to get under the skin and just just be childish. I mean it's two it's two vape cartridges. Now I get that it's illegal and if something is illegal you should not do it. But she's coming from a place that it was legal. She clearly now let's also examine this. How'd she get it into the country? Did she, did she smuggle them? I mean, if you put something in a bag, if you put something in a bag so where somebody can't see it, I think that's mm-hmm. the definition of smuggling, and that's what happened. I mean, she like put these things in a bag, and and whatever wherever she had to go through customs, it was like it was the wrong, the wrong moment, the wrong mm-hmm. time, and the wrong. Uh, I don't know what they call it in Russia, but customs agent. Look, now it's not that big of a deal in America anymore. What about 30 years ago if you would have had uh, vape cartridges or something like that in your bag at an airport in America? They probably would have thrown you the probably book. would have gotten nine you, years. You could have gotten, too. you know, yeah. Well, they, they probably would have called it transporting, you know, our uh, intent to deliver mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Crossing state lines, yeah. that's, that's, that, that becomes federal. Well, things have obviously changed quite a bit, like in the last, heck, I mean, it's even the last five years across the United States, these... Uh, the acceptance of, of these sort of things. Like, well, I went up it's to It's still technically and, illegal to cross state lines in America still. Yes, it is. Stuff. It ends up being a wink, wink, nudge, nudge yeah. sort of a situation. You know, I go up to, to Michigan with the family a few weeks ago, and there are, I mean, it's legal everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere there. There's stores all over the place. Billboards everywhere. There's going to be, a, be a, uh, an initiative on the ballot in Arkansas in the next election, election mm-hmm. uh, to legalize uh, THC products, all across the state. I mean, right now it's 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 you know you need a medical card in order mm-hmm. to, to utilize these things. But 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 pretty soon, if you're going by the way that 
I guess the majority, the of, the the, country, the majority I mean, of the country has leaned a little bit. Maybe Arkansans feel the same way. I mean, we're over 20 states legal. being legal, right? I mean, right. we're pretty much almost to the halfway point of wherever you are in the United States, you have a 50-50 shot that you can legally smoke marijuana. It's a rough situation for any American athlete, I think, to be in where you've, where you've got to... Well, there aren't... I don't think there are very many male basketball players in the United States that have a job playing basketball here in this mm-hmm. country that then end up going somewhere else to go play basketball, like to a place like Russia. I mean, baseball players for years did this. Mm-hmm. Like you, played, you played minor league baseball or major league baseball, and then you went farther south in the wintertime and played uh, in, in the Caribbean. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this... We, I, Bubba Carpenter's got dozens of stories about playing in Venezuela, uh, where he batted behind David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 he played in he played in Car- Caribbean ball quite a bit. A lot of guys have done this, um, but but th- those are not a lot of the American major leaguers that go do that. A lot of the the, the Latino major leaguers mm-hmm. feel like it's uh, almost a duty. And yeah, they grew up watching a lot ball. of these games yeah. anyway uh, to. Uh, to go down there and play for their countrymen. You know, mm-hmm. winning the Caribbean series is a pretty big deal for somebody from the Dominican Republic, for somebody from Venezuela, for someone who's from Panama. Not so much for Americans, so you're going down there to make some money. Um, but not major leaguers. Not, I don't think no. very many American major leaguers are doing that. The WNBA is the big leagues of women's basketball. It Really, it is the big leagues it is. of women's basketball in the world. It needs to pay like the big Still leagues. Still doesn't pay enough. For and look, I, I'm sure I'm sure Griner and a lot of other WNBA stars like they make enough money where I would feel like I'm pretty comfortable mm-hmm. in, in in that salary. Oh, but sure. at the same time, you're not really maximizing your talents to the point where you're you're maximizing your earnings. So I mean, this has got to, especially with what is going on in Russia right now, with you know attacking another sovereign country, mm-hmm. and who knows where else that that Vladimir Putin is looking to invade. Um, how many American basketball players now are even going to think about going to Russia to go play Zero. for one of these teams? Zero. Even if you even if you don't smoke hashish vape oil or anything you know well, you, you really want to go across. Do something i mean you you want yeah. you want to be anywhere near where vladimir putin his secret police and everything else that goes on in russia can get you heck no i don't know if you want to be in any neighboring country especially not to ukraine but any other neighboring country just due to the fact that he's pretty close you don't want to give he this is i even though Brittany Griner did technically break the law this is like you said, a miscarriage of justice. This is a throwing the book at someone. This is setting an, a quote-unquote unfair example because she's an American. Why would you want to put yourself in that situation? I mean, and once again, obviously it was a crime, but you remember the UCLA basketball players that almost got sent into prison for swiping a pair of sunglasses. Right. What, what, it was the middle ball, son. That was a, a part of that. Yes, it's illegal, but come on. The punishment does not fit the crime here, people. Like, we, we can use common sense. So, to be anywhere over on that side of the world, I, I wouldn't even go near it because whether I did something wrong or I didn't, 
Who are they going to believe? Well, she the police over the, there, are they going to believe she, me? She played for this Ekaterinburg uh, team for a couple of years. and it, it, I mean, maybe there's a kinship with the teammates, a kinship with people in the city. Uh, you know, we can, we can view Russia in, in certain terms. And I mean, I grew up during the, the, the end of the Cold War where uh, the word Soviet sort of was designed to uh, strike fear into you a little bit. But I mean, you can look at the country in one way and then understand this is a group of people and <laughs> people are people just mm-hmm. like we are here in the United States. There's got to be also some sort of connection that she felt there. Otherwise, I don't know why you would even go across to Russia in the middle of a war that's happening. Not on Russian soil, yeah, obviously. Yeah, bad timing. It's, yeah, I mean, the, and and maybe maybe she's to be believed that she accidentally packed the vape cartridges. But if you've been to Russia before, and I haven't, but if you have been, I would imagine you have a sense of, of how draconian mm-hmm. the society is or how draconian the laws are. So it's it's not just Russia, that. too. Phil, there's a whole show called yeah. Locked Up Abroad, and it's all about people trying to take things that are illegal to different countries. And so it's not just Russia. If you're leaving America, don't pack anything in your yeah. bag that is questionable. Don't even pack fruit. You know, that you could get locked up for all kinds of silly things. You know, you bring, try I, to bring oranges or something. Yeah, be careful out there. <laughs> I want to get arrested and sent to jail for an apple. I mean, I always, oh, God. I, I mean, nine nine years hard labor for an apple. It won't I, keep the doctor away if I'm locked in a, in a cold, yeah, right. minus 30 degree like cell in I Siberia. To, I moved to California in 2000, and on the drive out there, I was introduced to the... It was, it was felt like the produce, the California produce guard. You know, they made sure if you had any fruits or vegetables in your car. And I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, I guess it had to do with... Cross-contamination. Something like that. Pesticides. Am I going to go to jail for an apple? It would be really, really weird. All right. In just a moment, we're going to talk with Josh Rawich, Baseball Hall of Fame president and a, and a fraternity brother of mine, believe it or not. Uh, so uh, we'll talk with him about Vin Scully, who uh, he worked with for a number of years at the Dodgers. want to remind you about the Booyah Pop and Pad Crasher from Fradco. It is the go-to lure for Jason Christie, the 2022 Bassmaster Classic Champion. The Booyah Pop and Pad Crasher Jr. is a smaller version of it, and it's the bait you use on the Arkansas River when you're frog fishing. Pop and Pad Crasher Jr. is the right size, and it has the right hook set up to catch them. You'll find it at Learnet.com and tackle stores everywhere. The Booyah Pop and Pad Crasher Jr. Talking Vin Scully with the Baseball Hall of Fame President Josh Rawich next on Halftime. Attention tequila lovers. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith and check out their full selection of Cava de Oro tequilas, including Blanco, Reposado, Añejo, Extra Añejo, Cristalino Añejo, Plata Tajona, and Extra Aged Añejo in the Black Bottle. Available at Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. You just never know how some things happen over the course of your life. 26 years ago, I met Josh Rawich in Bloomington, Indiana, a kid from Los Angeles. And uh, we connected immediately on baseball. And it was that summer that we both started our careers in the sport of baseball, working in front offices. That's where I started as an intern with a minor league team in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Josh got an internship with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think I've done pretty well throughout my career Josh is now the president of the National <laughs> Baseball Hall of Fame. He's doing very well, and he joins us on Halftime right now. Josh, good to talk to you, man. How are you? I'm good, Philly. Great to hear your voice, and great to uh, make this happen 27 years later. 
Yeah, you got that right. Uh, I told the story yesterday of uh, sitting next to you at a Dodgers-Cubs game in the press box. 2000 was the year. Um, I remember seeing the Dodgers hit four homers in an inning off of a, of a rookie a rookie pitcher. Darren Dreifert hit two bombs that day. But I'll never forget meeting Vin Scully because you were the one who introduced me to him, and it's one of the highlights of my life. Yesterday had to have been a really difficult day for you, Josh, wasn't it? It was, but in a weird way, actually, I've, I've kind of allowed myself to, to almost celebrate it more because he lived such a full life and such an unbelievable life. And more than anything, he really knew how much he was beloved. And I think so often when people pass, they don't really realize that. And this is a guy who really, as he would say, couldn't really have asked for much more out of 94 years. And so rather than see it as a sad day, I really I was enjoying all the tributes and celebrations about everything he did and everybody he impacted. He had to have met, I mean, millions of people that idolized him, not just in Southern California, but across the country. But there's only a select few who who grew up listening to him that then worked with him hand in hand, like, like you did during your time with the Dodgers. What, what, when you first met Vin Scully, now your dad was a sports writer, so you might have met him as a kid. What did he mean to you as a child? And then what did it mean when you met him and worked with him? Hmm. Well, I never did meet him until I started working there. So as a kid, he really was. He was, along with Steve Sachs, was my, my idol on the field. Ben was really, in a lot of ways, who I idolized. It's what I went to IU thinking I wanted to do, was essentially become the next Ben Scully, until I heard my own voice. But, uh, I mean, I just, I, I loved the guy um, from the first moment I ever heard him. And so I, I can still remember the first time I, I met him, and he introduced himself and said, hello, Josh. And I'm like, God, I can't believe those that that voice, it's exactly the way it sounded on TV, but more so as time went on and really, I started really working closely with him and I got to know what just an unbelievable human he was. You really, you worry about sometimes meeting your heroes that they're not going to live up to your expectations. And he honestly exceeded them. He just was such a kind person who always talked about your family. always wanted to know what was going on with you. It was never about him. And I just feel crazy lucky that I had that chance to work with him for as long as I did. When you did work with him, and it was obvious Vin was such a great storyteller, along with the story of the game that he's that he's calling. He never lost sight of that, even when he was telling mm-hmm. stories about this and that with whatever player. What what went into his prep? How, how did he gather all of these stories? Was it talking to the players? Was it talking to the managers? Was it just reading? Because I know he said he tried to make sure he didn't get too close with the players so that he could maintain a certain distance and call the game a certain way. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. I think a lot of his prep work came from reading. I mean, he was a vociferous reader on planes and hotel rooms. At least certainly by the time I knew him, he was already well into his probably 70s, so it's not like he was going out every night. A lot of us would be out at the hotel bar, and he's upstairs doing prep work and reading. And um, He had some people who would help him from time to time and sending information, but it really wasn't necessarily, he wasn't the sort of guy that was hanging out at the batting cage trying to pick up anecdotes. He would He would just take it all in from a zillion different sources and, and then figure out, like you said, the hardest part is weaving that into the game and not making it seem like you're not you're not actually calling a game. But he was so darn good. And some of it may have been that he was on his own. He was in a one-man booth, which is pretty rare at the big league level. But his, he always told me, you know, I always feel like my job is to sell the team, to sell the experience and come to Dodger games. And I feel like I do that better if I'm talking directly to the viewer or the listener than I would be if I'm talking to somebody else telling them, hey, don't you think these people should come to the game today? Mm-hmm. So he really just had a perfect way about it, and uh, I mean, crazy amounts of time and effort went into becoming who he was. Yeah, he really did, was the best to, to ever do it. 
Be- being an L.A. native, do you have a favorite uh, story that he ever told uh, on a broadcast? You know, we- we've heard all the great calls yesterday, but just listening to just some things that he would say in between pitches or, you know, I heard a story that he was telling uh, that he told during a, a Pirates game where the, the trainer uh, saved his 16-year-old French poodle by giving it mouth-to-mouth, like just <laughs> weird things like that. Do you have a favorite? Oh, man. I mean, obviously all the big calls were what I grew up with, and my, my favorite is, is clearly um, when he, he announced the birth of my son on the air, um, which was truly like one of the most ridiculous moments of my life. But um, And I remember he came, he would always come back from break, as you know, I think it was fourth or fifth inning, and, and wrap everything up in this perfect little bow. And I, I remember um, probably late 90s, early 2000s, he wound up coming back and doing the Macarena. And I just remember thinking to myself, my God, the, the, this guy has no problem laughing at himself. He understands, um, you know, who he is. He knows who he isn't. Um, but he's just, he, he's the best. He, it, it, I wish I could come up with one, but, but the examples you just gave are perfect because they always tied in some really random family member who, uh, whatever, a kid grew up in LA. And so I just, that's what was so good about it is he, he would dig the stuff up that nobody else knew. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about your job, the president uh, of the baseball hall of fame and, when it comes to Cooperstown, it's not only just about the greatest players, but it's about telling the story of the game. What are some things for people that wanted to, you know, learn about Vince Scully that maybe never got the chance to hear him? You know, future generations might be able to to learn about him up in Cooperstown. Well, what's really cool is we, obviously we we our job is to preserve history. So mm-hmm. whether it's um, the game on the field, the front office, the stories behind it. Um, people talk about the broadcaster's wing where the winners of the Ford Street Frick Award are, are honored. And it's crazy to think that Vin got that award in 1982. I think there were only like five or six people who got it before him. And then he went on to broadcast another 30 plus years after it. Um, but that whole wing really helps you understand the history of broadcast. And as you walk around, you hear there's about 10 to 15 calls that are on a loop that you can hear from various great broadcasters. And he's one of them. Uh, it's also the same area where the baseball writers are honored uh, with the BBWAA. Uh, award of excellence and so that whole wing which includes the beginnings of a box score and baseball at the movies you just you walk around that place i think a lot of people really think the hall of fame is just a plaque gallery with 340 plaques on the walls but it's a three-story museum mm-hmm. that is for any baseball fan i mean you, you you can't even get it done in in a full day let alone uh, a couple hours and uh, there's plenty of in scully stuff to be learned when you're walking around there josh when i think of vin scully i think of uh, i think of the word class I think of 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 him as a romantic. I think there's that the, the romance of baseball sometimes gets a little mm-hmm. bit overplayed, but not when you're listening to the radio. And I got to imagine like there couldn't have ever been a better combination of broadcaster, city and team than Vince Scully in Los Angeles with the Dodgers. And keep in mind, he's a New York native, started with Brooklyn when the Dodgers were on the East Coast. But, man, the sound of him and the sun setting at Dodger Stadium. I have a sense, man, you know how Dodger fans are famous for arriving late and leaving early. They blame it on the traffic. Maybe they just wanted to listen to Vin a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I honestly remember going to games as a kid when when radio was still in the 80s. Radio was still obviously pretty prevalent, and you would would bring your, your radio to the game, and you'd hear it sitting in the seats, and that... That always blew my mind that people would do that. But he was, I think Bill Plaschke wrote in his column that he was not just the greatest sports broadcaster, not just the greatest broadcaster, but really the most trusted voice in the history of Los Angeles. And 
that it was a guy, like you said, who grew up in New York. He was actually a Giants fan growing up, and yet here he is, the, the epitome of everything it means to be in Los Angeles. He never got caught up in the glitz and glamour of L.A. and Hollywood. He just went about his job every day, and um, just a... I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think um, that you won't hear him anymore, that you won't see him. But I, I know that the Dodgers will continue to do all sorts of things to make sure that his, his legacy remains strong inside the ballpark and throughout the city of L.A. Josh, it's got to be difficult to talk about him right now. I had trouble yesterday just because I, I love the sport. I love the industry. I met him once. I didn't know him on any sort of a personal level. He, he was a hero of yours. He, and and I got to imagine, like you can hear it in my voice here, how do you get through these interviews talking about him? <laughs> you know, I, I think I think when you when you live a life like he did that was so full and who, I mean, he really, he knew how lucky he was. He so often talked about how how blessed he was to do the things he did. It, it's easy to look at it and from my perspective as a celebration as opposed to losing someone young. Um, and in fact, I, I, I mentioned to you, I, I wanted to mention Nicole Hazen, our, my, where I worked at the Diamondbacks. We, our general manager, Mike Hazen, just lost his wife today at a very young age. And while, while Vin gets celebrated and everybody knows the amazing things he did, you're talking about someone who was in her 40s and didn't get to live a, a full life. And frankly, that's harder for me to talk about um, than it is someone who really, truly, he knew what he meant to the world around him. And, uh, and he got all the the praise and love that um, anybody would want to have in their lifetime. And unfortunately, in Nicole's case, she didn't get that. And I, I just, I think, I think about her and her family. And I just, it reminds you how lucky we all are to have every day on the planet and make sure that we take advantage of it. And that's, that's true. I guess yeah. when you say, how do you get through this stuff? I really, I feel very lucky to be in this job. I feel lucky that anybody wants to ask me my opinion on Vin Scully. And uh, I just, yeah, I guess that's how I try to approach it. Well, your opinion seems to matter. You know, you're the you're the president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame for crying out loud. But this is also a little bit of a, like a different situation for a lot of people. Josh is a city boy. I mean, he's from L.A., like in Los Angeles, not one of the municipalities around it. And he worked for Arizona Diamondbacks for a while. That's Phoenix. That's another big city. Cooperstown is a rather small place. What's it like living there? Oh man, it's been so cool. I mean, there's so many unique things about this town, and I think. What most people don't really think about, you hear Cooperstown and obviously you think of the Hall of Fame, but there's actually quite a bit of other things here that make it, for those of us who live here, there's only 2,000 people that are in the actual village itself, but the, the surrounding county is 50,000, 60,000, and there's all these little outlying kind of towns and villages. It's a really cool place to live. It's an amazing place to raise a family. It does get cold in the winter, which I have not had since we were in Indiana together. Like I think of one of the snowstorms we had, I think, freshman year, and I... I kind of laugh like that's nothing compared to nothing what we get yet. up here, but, um, but it's, uh, I mean, Cooperstown really is, it's a really special place and anybody who loves the game, I mean, you just, you walk around and you feel it. it. It almost feels like you're, you're on the universal movie set and it's like how this place shouldn't still exist with all of the, the, the way it feels and yet it does. And plenty of people live here and love it. And, uh, and you can count me and my family as part of that. Josh, I, I have to ask since we, we have you on and somebody who is known, uh, Mr. Phil Elson for a long time before he was uh, a, the <laughs> professional that he is. Do you have any clean, embarrassing stories from college that you can share oh, with us? Man. No pledgeship stories, please. <laughs> I was going to say, I have plenty of embarrassing stories, but none of them are probably appropriate oh. for the year. Let's just say after we left Indiana, it became it got named the number one party school in America. So chances <laughs> are any story that you can think about from what you did your freshman year or sophomore year, we, we probably experienced it and then some and, uh, it really is, honestly, it is so cool to watch his career over the years as he's kind of 
kept doing all that he's done and I've done what I've done. It's been really, really fun to stay in touch and, uh, and see his success. He, he deserves every bit of it. Well, and, it, and the feeling is mutual, Josh. It's been mutual from the start. And we connected on the idea that we were going to get to the big leagues at some point. Man, you are mm-hmm. there. You are there. And As I'm proud are of you. you. Can't wait you. to visit you in Cooperstown at some point, man. I got to get up there. It's been too, too long. Oh, yeah. Well, we'd love to have you. Hopefully anybody from out that way makes a trip. And we, we always say it's on everybody's bucket list, but you got to get it off yeah, the bucket a- list and put it on your to-do list and get out here. Come visit us in Cooperstown. You got that right. Josh, we'll leave it there, man. I appreciate you hopping on. Thank you so much for your time. You bet, guys. Take care, Philly. That was great. That was great. Wait, Josh wait, Rawich. Go, um, a guy from Pittsburgh is called Philly? Uh-huh. It's okay if my name's Phil. Right? Okay. Just don't I didn't call know. me the Philadelphia okay. kid. They even go with Philly. He used to call me Philly cream cheese. That's why That's why it goes in that direction with that. Ah, okay. That was fun. I really wouldn't have ever thought, A, that he'd be the national baseball Hall of Fame president is he was going to be the general manager that hired me for my first major league job. I'm still waiting on that. Still waiting on that. I don't know if it'll happen, but he's in the big leagues because the National Baseball Hall of Fame, that's, that's the big, big league. leagues of museums right there. Uh, get out to Cooperstown, by the way. It's out of the way, but it's worth your effort. And uh, Josh is absolutely the best. That was fun. Uh, 877-377-6963. Wrapping up the first hour next. Why do people do business with First Western? Because First Western builds relationships with all of their customers. They partner for the long haul to help you with your financial goals over all seasons of life. First Western is prompt, responsive, and they deliver with quick answers and on-time loan closings. When is the last time your banker called you? If you are looking for a high level of service and a financial partner who will listen and respond, try First Western. For more information, visit them online at firstwestern.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Uh, I, I know. He, I don't think he invented this, but I appreciate Hognoxious on Twitter reminding me that today is Texas A and M Day because it's August the fourth, eight and four, as far as uh, your concern for your calendar purposes and I guess your football record purposes as well. Would that make February the tenth Vanderbilt Day? That'd be two and ten. Yeah, we give them two. Well, they won two games last year. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to – they're not going to start off to win this year. I, I got Hawaii. It's on their home turf. Give, give me the Rainbow Warriors. Are they still the Rainbow Warriors or just Warriors now? Uh, I think they added the Rainbow in there. Okay, good, yeah. good. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Rainbow Warriors. In that Texas Longhorns matchup. Day is April the 8th, I, I guess. I'll, I'll give them June 6th. We'll give wanna, them 6th and 6th. So can the, can, does that mean that, that September the 4th is Arkansas Day next year, next month? Nine and four. It's the the season has started by then. Wouldn't you so, rather October second? I would love be Razorback be October day? the second. I'm just going by last year's record. That's, that's true. That's what I'm going by. I yeah, but it's a, I, I've seen it on on Twitter where it's Happy A and M Day and, and just Happy Happy Jimbo Fisher Day. <laughs> Jimbo yeah. Fisher Day. Uh, Jimbo Fisher Day is a day where 24 hours is packed into one hour, and everybody talks like the Micro Machine Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't it doesn't quite work properly. Uh, uh, hey, tomorrow's although, a big day, by the way. I needed to get this okay. in. We're going to be at Hardy's tomorrow. Drew and I are at Hardy's tomorrow in Fort Smith at the Phoenix Avenue location for another qualifying round of the 19th annual Hardy's Thick Burger Eating Contest for a football trip of a lifetime. If you meet us at Hardy's on Phoenix Avenue tomorrow between the hours of 11 and 1, we might actually put you on the air and a microphone stuck mm-hmm. into your face as you are downing a Hardy's <laughs> third pound Thick Burger in 90 seconds or less. Drew is adding extra mustard tomorrow. 
Like you can even race me. And we, we can have a we can have a race. Uh, not just against the clock, but against not, each other. Not racing you because I learned the hard way against Ty Richardson. Trust never me, I am not the contest. I am not the eater that Ty is. Trust Nobody me. is. No, not even SmackDown was because SmackDown got egotistical and had a couple mm-hmm. of beverages before he had a taco eating contest and got mm-hmm. trashed. Uh, I mean, trashed by Ty. I don't think by the margaritas because he's <laughs> too big of a guy at that point. Anyway, that's for that's tomorrow uh, at the Hardy's location in Fort Smith at Phoenix Avenue. Um, and then that's a qualifying round. Anybody that finishes that thick burger in 90 seconds or less tomorrow is entered into the finals on August the 20th. And the one winner on August 20th gets tickets to see the Chiefs and the Titans in Kansas City on November the 6th. And it's brought to you by Hardee's, ESPN Arkansas, and HitThatLine.com. And we will be moving into the second hour in just a moment. Oh, what have we got in the second hour? Cardinals-Cubs doubleheader, day-nighter. It's going to start in about 15 minutes. And, oh, boy, wait until you see the schedule that the Cardinals have for the <laughs> remainder of the season. If they don't make the postseason, then something's wrong. They definitely playing, didn't get hot, did they? They're playing garbage teams. And Bob Holt joins us. That's the opposite of garbage. Hour number two, right after this. <laughs> This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Hour number two, halftime, and in about 15 minutes, there's going to be some Cardinals-Cubs baseball to make up from yesterday's rainout. We've got a 12-15 first game, a 6-45 second game. So they're going to get rid of everybody after the first and move them in for the second. Miles Michaelis and Jose Quintana are your Cardinals starting pitchers today. It'll be Quintana's Cardinal debut. We can always trust the Pirates to be giving... Some of their better players to uh, teams that they compete against in the same division. Hey, y'all won really yesterday. Y'all beat the Brewers. Yeah, they got a they got a walk off. Oh, by the way, I need to get into this too. But I, I have some some stuff on the Cardinals I want to hit on as well. Let's go. Ahead I had just seen this, and I sent you the te- the, the text before the oh, show today, Drew. I got to find this kid, this Pittsburgh Pirates fan. He's a kid. He looks in the photo. We look like he's 14, 15 uh, years yeah, old. I'd maybe that's a 15, 16. So he's wearing May a shirt. May have himself to the game. He's wearing a, a shirt that's got the Pirates lettering on it, but it doesn't say Pirates across the shirt. He was at the game yesterday, and he got the Pirates um, majority owner, Bob Nutting, to take a photo with him. And Nutting has this, you know, goofy smile on his face. I mean, it's, it looks to me like Nutting, aside from the idea that he doesn't spend any money on ball players, I don't think he spends money on a comb either, because mm-hmm. his hair is going in 50 million different directions. It's like Obviously, Boris Johnson up there. Not a problem that I have. Um, so Nutting, is, Nutting didn't read what's on the kid's shirt. And this, this photo is out there in the ether. It's on your Twitter. It's on your Instagram. It's out there. It's entertaining because the kid was brave. Quite brave. There, there's a movement amongst Pirates fans, and there should be, mm-hmm. to have Bob Nutting sell the team to somebody that actually cares about winning. And the shirt says, sell the team. And he's got a photo of the owner that he wants to sell the team with him and the T-shirt. It is a beautiful thing. Just great. Just absolutely great. And you, you see these things being done all the time of uh, people with T-shirts that sell the team or... 
get out of town or, you know, we have the, the, ban- the airplanes that fly banners across and uh, billboards and everything else that uh, people can spend a lot of money on to show their displeasure with their favorite uh, professional team. But it does take some balls, man. Like, I'm, it really does. For- like. I'm waiting for a, for a Cowboys fan to ask Jerry Jones to take a photo with them while they have a T-shirt that says "Find a new GM." See, I and that's the thing. Like, it takes a lot of guts. If I was ever in the same room with Pete Angelo, <laughs> I hate the man's guts. I have publicly stated how much I hate him, how much I despise him. I have said so. Over you'd be wearing the T-shirt, Drew, for you'd be, years. You'd be wearing the T-shirt that says "I'm with Stupid." I don't know if I could do it. It's just I don't I don't know if I have the guts or, or that in me to at the last second be able to like because he has a jet. It looks like the guy from Pittsburgh had a jacket on. So I'm guessing he probably unzipped it at the last second right before the picture, which is how he was able to get away with it. I don't even know if I have the uh, the guts to do that. But kudos to him, man. Well, Kudos. It, it, it was a beautiful moment, but I mean that's that's a team that's that's going nowhere right now. And uh, hey, at least the Cardinals get nine games against the Pirates, including the last six games of the season. I counted through it. There are fifty-eight games mm-hmm. remaining for the St. Louis Cardinals, and they are playing against the dregs of Major League Baseball right now. Now they do have nineteen games against some good teams. Seven against Milwaukee, which means, you know, those are obviously the most important games because that's who the Cardinals are going to battle against for the division crown. Three against the Braves. Three, they have a West Coast swing. They got three at the Padres, mm-hmm. three at the Dodgers, and those are maybe the two best teams in the National League. Uh, but outside of that, man, they're playing garbage, garbage teams. Ten against the Cubs, no. six against the Rockies. You get three against Arizona. I mean, any other game they play outside of Milwaukee in the National League Central is like playing a Little League team. Seven against the Reds. You get the Nationals for four and the Pirates for nine. So that's 39 games against the dregs of Major League Baseball, 19 games against the good teams. So if the Cardinals don't make it, if they, I know, you didn't trade for Juan Soto, but you shored up your starting rotation. Mm -hmm. You got two of the more dynamic uh, players and hitters in the game at the corners of your infield. And and there are a couple of guys out there that might be able to surge. You know, Dylan Carlson's got plenty of talent. He homered, yeah, he homered uh, in the last game. Um, you know, maybe De, maybe De Jong finds a way to, you know, do what he did when he got back from AAA recently, which is uh, pound a couple of home runs. They, they, they've got the potential. They've got the potential. And especially because of the teams they're playing against. Yeah, and... You know, when you hear the the president of the St. Louis Cardinals come out yesterday and, and talk about what they did at the trade deadline of, you know, just make it in. If we can get hot, let's get hot, which we talked about yesterday. That's not a very comforting um, thing to hear from the guy running your organization of, hey, I hope we get lucky and I hope we get hot. So if you can't get hot against this competition, especially – what would you say? Thirty? How many games against the Dreads? Thirty? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Again, not games. just not just like you know teams that are hovering around five hundred. I mean the Rockies. I mean, Thirty-nine. Stink. The Cubs and the Pirates have the same record. They stink. If, if you the Reds hot, are garbage. If you the can't Nationals get hot then, are hot I don't garbage. Know what you're gonna do? What are you gonna do? If you can't get hot then, then you're not gonna get hot when it turns into October. It's just not gonna happen. So you gotta probably win like. 
27 games against the Dregs and then find a way to just not get smoked by the good teams. And they do have the Yankees coming up this weekend in St. Louis, which means you're going to have a sellout at Bush mm-hmm. for all three games. And usually you got a lot of people there. But, it's, I mean, when the Yankees come to town, they, there is a fit. The Cardinals-Yankees used to be like a real thing. But the, the Cardinals are the dominant franchise in the National League over the over the course of baseball history. They yes. are. They are the dominant team in the National League, although there have been times where the Giants have been hot, the Dodgers have been hot. Uh, outside over the that, long trek of time, it's always yeah. been the Cardinals. Yeah, and, and they're middle America, so it's a whole different you know setup than than the Yankees in the East Coast where they'll say, look, baseball out East is a religion. You're going to tell me that the Cardinals aren't a religion in middle America? Well, they, they call themselves are. the best fans in baseball. Well, you know. And they sure. always love to remind you how long, that it's been 10, 10 long agonizing years since they've won a World Series. Will this pain ever end? Well, and they it, like to say, we now know how you Cubs fans felt. When you we win, get it. When no, you, you win one, you want here. another one. When I you know. win two, you want a third, so on and so forth. And boy, that's just got to make Washington Nationals fans feel just a little bit crappy. I've never seen a team just sink this badly, this quickly, and not in a fire sale sort of a way, mm-hmm. the way that it happened with the Marlins in their two world championships. They didn't, they didn't really start selling all of their players until now. You know, they lost a lot of their players in free agency mm-hmm. and bet the house on Steven Strasburg, and it just hasn't worked out for them. Uh, 877-377-6963. Dustin heard me wrong. Dustin, I said the Cardinals are the dominant team in the National League. They're not the dominant team in Major League Baseball. They don't have 27 world championships than the Yankees. I said National League. Uh, let's go to uh, Charlie, who's on hold here. Hey, Tuna, what's going on? How are you? What's going on, guys? Doing good, man. Doing, doing, doing good. What's new? All right. Well, uh, I heard this. I was listening to the show a little bit earlier. I heard Drew trying to get you in trouble, Phil, over there. What, what all you used to do back in college? I just wanted I one believe. story. Come on, John. Look, Everybody Josh else wanted it too. We we had Josh Rawich on in hour number one. He's the National Baseball Hall of Fame president and a fraternity brother of mine, and someone who's uh, well, been a good awesome. friend for years. I- he, um, yeah, Josh was like the Josh. Was was probably the guy that that got less crazy than most of us in that fraternity house. If Josh said Indiana was voted as the top party school mm-hmm. in America after, and I was only there two years because of the partying, uh, <laughs> then our fraternity house led the campus in parties and in the stickiest floors possible. You know what it's like when you oh, try yeah. to pull your foot up off of a tile floor that had beer on, on it that dried on mm-hmm. it. You know what that's like. That oh, was an everyday experience in that house. So the fact that what? the National Baseball Hall of Fame president came from that house, yeah, yeah. He rose up hey. ahead of most of us. <laughs> hey, that, hey, y'all are both doing well. I'd say you're both legends in my book. You know, look, we all had our time where we lived a little bit, I guess, when we uh, did some things that were rated R that we don't want to release, uh, you know, and hopefully we'll take with us to the grave. I know Drew did. Anyway, I do want to touch on some of uh, the comments that Sam made yesterday, uh, Phil. And uh, uh, I don't know. I, the question that was asked about, hopefully I don't break up here. I'm going to a small, bad area. But uh, the question that was asked from Biddy, and I always, I've always loved Trey Biddy's stuff. and I read a lot of his stuff, and he's good at what he does. But one of the questions that he asked, I thought kind of, Rubs, I don't know if it rubs Sam the wrong way. He just had a little trouble answering it. It was about the whole 
Well, you know, people want to have beer with you now, Sam. How do you get people not to like you more? I, I right. don't know where that. I, I don't know what prompted Trey to ask that question, but do you? I was get. I was seeing some comments on Facebook about how Sam answered that, and I. I don't personally think he answered it disrespectfully. I just think it. He, he's a guy that you know he's he's not going to be a guy that every coach in the league hates. I mean that's just not him. And he answered it. You know I think the way that. Sam would answer it, you know, and then at the end of it said, you know, I really don't know how to else to answer it, man, I, other than, you know, and then Trey changed the subject. But do you think Sam kind of came across a little bit, you know, hateful there? I mean, I, I was no. I was seeing some comments on Twitter. Like, I didn't think so either. But no, I was seeing some a, comments on Twitter. He was being a butthole about it. And I was like, no, he wasn't. He was just being real. What, what I gathered from – what I gathered was, was Trey was kind of saying – Look, you, you're kind of like a dark horse team amongst amongst college football fans in the country. People want to root for you right now. Usually, they don't yeah. want to, they want to root they don't want to root for you know. It's like the opposite of bandwagon. You know, you root against the Patriots when they had breaks. You root against Alabama. You root against Georgia. Those fan bases have their thing, but you know, people root against the Yankees so often. The you know the bandwagon here, that kind of thing. And there's a bit of a feeling that Arkansas being a dark horse is like everybody loves them right now. I think what Trey was was trying to ask was. He asked, how do you get people to dislike you more? And and I don't know. It just seemed that Sam wasn't quite sure how to answer the question mm-hmm. or what Trey wanted out of it. So, I mean, look, I, play, I ask questions sometimes that might not necessarily know, you know, that come off in a way that, the guy, that, that nobody quite knows how to answer it. That's just what I gathered from that yesterday. I didn't feel or see or hear any disrespect one way or the other. I just I just heard a coach that wasn't wasn't quite sure mm-hmm. how to answer that question. I don't think it was about, you know, oh, Jimbo and, and Nick went after each other and Lane Kiffin's pointing out this and that about these programs and everything. I don't think it had to do with that. No. I think it had to do with, like, how do you get to the point where you're winning on such a consistent basis that people across the country are sick of you winning and start rooting against you? That's exactly what it felt like. And it, it can kind of trip you up a question. Like, do do you want me to tell you, like, how I become, how we go from being the likable, plucky little team, go Arkansas, go, to being a team that has set a winning tradition, has set a plan in motion to be a top-tier program to where nobody wants to root for you. They they, they want to see you fall. It's basically the same thing of going from, the, from being the hunter to the huntee. How do you get to that point? Or it's like, well, do you want me to start disrespecting other people and being being a jerk? So you don't you don't want that either. So it is kind of a kind of a hard question to answer. Yeah, and look, there'll be plenty of other really good questions that, that get the kind of answer that you want, and that just happens on programs like this and in press conferences and everything. And we will certainly parse all the things that that the the head coach will say. And I think at that point, it's parsing things just a little bit too much. Real quick, Phil, I am. I just came across the video of the kid with the sell the team T-shirt. Yeah, it's my hero. Yeah, and in the video, the owner does see the shirt. So, do you give him credit for being a good sport? No, no, no. I don't he, give him. Any, I don't give him any credit until he sells the team. <laughs> He That's sees when he the can shirt, get he even does a double take, and then he still takes the picture. He's worth almost a billion and a half dollars. Put just a little bit more of that into the Pirates. Pretty pleased. Angelo's 
worth 2.4. Yeah, put a little bit more into it. I think all the owners are worth over a billion dollars. So, you know, they have to be to buy one. Spending 35 million a year on player salaries when that's not even coming out of your own personal wealth. Look, I mean, these guys get rich by spending money in certain ways sometimes. And it's all about making money for them more than anything else. Brought to you by Riley Farm Dental. You know what they're about there? They're about fixing your teeth. They're about providing all dental procedures, braces, implants, cosmetics, and doing it in a way where you are incredibly comfortable and you're going to enjoy your experience at Riley Farm Dental. Dr. Bo Sparkman and Dr. Brogan have been there for years. They're at 5901 Riley Park Drive, Suite A. That's at the entrance of Riley Farms, Highway 71, RileyFarmDental.com. Get an appointment by calling 226-3500. At halftime, the number is 877-377-6963. Give us a call or a text. We will come right back. It's halftime. Guys, it's all about confidence when it's time for sex. Am I right? Sometimes stress, anxiety, or just a bad day can affect your performance and ruin the fun and passion for both of you. But don't worry. BlueChew.com is here to save the day. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because BlueChew is an online prescription service, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a very discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. BlueChew tablets are made right here in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code BELIEVE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your first month free. 877-377-6963 to get with us. Uh, lots to get to with Bob Holt coming up in the very next segment here on Halftime. Uh, we got Eddie in Clarksville is giving us a phone call. Edward, how are you today? What do you uh, What do you want to talk about? Man, this is what I'd like to talk about, sir. You know, somebody stopped me the other day in the store, and they asked me truly how I felt about this football season. And I told them I'm very optimistic. I kind of feel like this, sir. You know, like a couple of days before Christmas, you know, you know, you're getting ready, anticipating, you know, what you might get, you might get, and just spending time with your family. I kind of feel like this with a football program. I kind of feel like Coach Pittman, uh, I'm sure somebody, he may not be referred to, I kind of see him as Santa Claus. And I see our players as, as elves, and Christmas is coming early. It's not coming in December for a football program. It's coming September 3rd against the Bearcats, and it's going to run all season long. And I think our fan base are, is going to enjoy a lot of cheers, you know, with a football program this year because they're going to deliver a lot of win, wins. So for the fan base, Christmas is coming. So get ready and get ready to cheer because we're in for a great season. Eddie, I, I appreciate where you're going with the idea that uh, that uh, Sam Pittman is Santa Claus and the, the team is are elves, but that also flies against – uh, what I heard from Coach Pittman yesterday in which he said, we're bigger and faster. I don't view elves as bigger and faster. Maybe he's, we can go into Star Wars direction here. Maybe Coach Pittman is the king Wookiee and the rest of the team are his Wookiee followers because they're big and fast. 
I don't know if I go the elf route, though. I, I appreciate the idea of delivering really, you know, uh, presence that everybody wants, which is a lot of football wins. Maybe that'll come. Um, I also don't want Coach Pittman crawling down anybody's chimney, man. I don't. Uh, yeah. I'd rather him not, you know, risk his risk his life and, and limb in that in that way. Yeah, you definitely don't. Well, Go ahead, Eddie. Sorry. I thought you still on uh, Christmas. Uh, he's gonna be on the roof, and the slate this year is gonna be the football hawk train. And I'll say this, and I'm sticking with my prediction. Hey, right, ten plus, and I got that game circled October first. With that being kind of, I'm that optimistic with Bama. The best football program comes in the Fayetteville because the streak ends. October 1st. Right, it would be really nice if that does happen, Eddie. Um, I, one last question, though, man. I mean, you said again, like, Coach Pittman is up on the roof. I don't want Sam Pittman on any roofs. He will need at least a helper to crawl down the chimneys. You sound like that helper. That's what Kendall Browse is for. Eddie, you could fit in a chimney and crawl down, and you're limber and everything. Would you take that job and help Coach Pittman out if he has to be Santa Claus? I'll give it to my best shot, sir. But I'll tell again. Christmas is coming, and for the fan base, get ready, because the presents are coming. And I mean the wind. I've got some Hanukkah gelt for you at some point, Eddie, and I'll have you over to the house for lockies and 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 all sorts of uh, all sorts of fun and songs. I don't remember. I don't know when Hanukkah is, but it's coming up at some point around the same time as Christmas. And it's Eddie will celebrate Hanukkah with us, the celebration of lights. Uh Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Sam Pittman yesterday speaking on the need to get Malik Hornsby on the field. I just say this: I've told him that we need him on the field. Now he has to earn the right to get on the field, but but we need him on the field. I think he's a, 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 an excellent football player. So we are going to uh, obviously give him. There's a fine line, you know, give him an opportunity to win the job. But at the same time, give him an opportunity to win the wide receiver spot, too. So we've got a plan for it. I hope it works. We feel like it will. I'll just say this. I've told him that we need him on the first place. No, I'm looking for, for a different one here. Yeah, I was I looking for a have. different soundbite. This is how you end up with a wide receiver who is a quarterback because you got a number three quarterback that you feel you can trust, too. What, what afforded us to do this in the first place was Cade Fortin. Uh, I think we all have a lot of confidence in him. And so that it kind of afforded us, you know, and if you don't have a three that's ready, you you better not move your, your number two quarterback out to wide receiver, you know. And uh, But with Fortin and how he came on uh, this spring, we felt like we were able to do it. And as soon as, you know, honestly, the first time Fortin took us down in a two-minute situation, uh, after that, that day is when we really started thinking about Malik playing wide receiver at that point. So there you go. We had a caller bring this up the other day, guys. Remember, he asked, mm-hmm. I mean, who's, who, who is your backup if you end up with Malik at wide receiver? You know, you're putting him in a position where maybe he could get hurt too. Cade Fortin sounds like the reason that you're able to move Malik to wide receiver at all because you got a guy, he even points out an example there. Two-minute offense for a third-string quarterback to deliver that sort of confidence, at least in spring ball. I know it's not playing against an SEC uh, defense in the fall at that moment, mm. but you have your pecking order here. And, and Coach Pittman still, and I find, this is kind of funny when you look at this because the athletic department a couple days ago released the practice schedule and, and let you know what coach is, is meeting with the media on what day and the position groups 
that are meeting with the media on the same day. They have K.J. Jefferson listed as one of the play. I think he's one of the only guys that they've got listed. Like a player is good. This guy will speak on this day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say a quarterback will speak on that day. It says K.J. Jefferson will speak on that day. I think it's the same day that uh, Kendall Bryle speaks with the media too. So, I mean, they're still paying you know, uh, an idea that Malik is competing for the quarterback job. You know, he's he's really just trying to get better at that position. He's competing again on the field at wide receiver. And Cade Fortin is your number three. Well, here's, here's my big question about that. If Cade Fortin gives you that much confidence, shouldn't he be the number two guy? I mean, if he's giving you that kind of confidence to say, hey, we're willing to take a chance with Malik Hornsby's health because – of how fast he is, because of how much of a dynamic playmaker he is. We're willing to do that because we've got this guy. Isn't that just another way of saying that maybe he's not, he's not, you know, actually two, but he's like two A? I mean, that that's what it sounds to me like. It sounds to me like they have just as much confidence with, in Kate as to do Malik because you wouldn't risk it if you didn't. Pittman also said that Malik has improved at quarterback since last year. So he's, you know, there's, I think Malik wants to play quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I I think your point has, has uh, some validity to it because if, if Malik Hornsby is doing great things at wide receiver, do do you, and and KJ gets hurt at some point, do you want to switch that up at all? You Mm -hmm. know I mean? It's a different package of plays. I would imagine for these two guys who have, uh, different set of, of skills necessarily. You know, Malik's not running over anybody. KJ will run over some people. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing enough of Malik's Malik arm people, though. to know whether or not, you know, he's got that kind of arm strength. And, and, and last year, the few times he threw the ball, you know, there were accuracy issues. But that was the same with KJ mm-hmm. the first year he got on the field. And he was pretty accurate last year. I can imagine there could be a pretty big jump forward for Malik Hornsby. That athleticism is also a reason why uh, you just want him to get the ball. At some point. And, and I mean, once we get t- closer to that Cincinnati game, I, I know I said they're going to throw a couple balls his way. And Coach Pittman yesterday spoke about some of the wide receivers that have come in. Samuel Mbake, Isaiah Satania, Matt Landers, the transfer out of Toledo. Mm-hmm. But Malik Hornsby has got a different set of uh, athleticism. I think more in terms of what you see from Satania and speed. Um, I, it just feels like he's going to be not a featured receiver, but he's going to get the ball coming his way quite a bit. Uh, all right, we got to step aside in just a moment. Brought to you by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. I love stopping at the Russellville location. Go to the ro- location in uh, Fayetteville on Weddington as well. I always put bacon on my burgers. Sometimes put on the sautéed mushrooms. Maybe the sautéed onions if I don't have to be any- around anybody that doesn't want to have- deal with my breath. Um, and always the fry sauce on the burgers. They have the best burgers, shakes, and fries anywhere in the state of Arkansas. Butcherboyburger.com is the website, and you can also buy their seasoning at Harps, along with seasoned patties at Harps as well. When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best, and CJ's has the best burgers in the state of Arkansas. After the break, talking with Bob Holt from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. It's halftime. Get by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith today and pick up a four-pack of the new Crown Royal Cocktails. Available in whiskey and cola, peach brewed tea, green apple, and now whiskey lemonade. Try some today. Now, back to the podcast. Bob Holt joining us. 
Arkansas Democrat Gazette sports writer extraordinaire and a good friend of halftime and joining us Thursday since we started it. Bob, appreciate you as always. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing good, well. Man. Doing good. We did a lot of talking yesterday about Vin Scully. Uh, you grew up, I think, listening to Ernie Harwell, uh, legendary voice of the Detroit Tigers. These were two men that were about on par. I called Vin Scully the greatest broadcaster of all time. There's a lot of people that would say Ernie Harwell might be the greatest broadcaster of all time. Maybe you're one of them. Well, he was a great one. I got to meet him one time, which was really, really cool. I was in Arlington doing a story on George Kell, who was Tiger's TV broadcaster, and I talked to Ernie Harwell about it. I think it was about 1990. It was, it was, that was awesome. But, yeah, I listened to him when I was in Michigan, and then we moved to Wisconsin and later Missouri. And WJR, uh, it's kind of like a Detroit version of KMOX. The signal was just gigantic. And I actually, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, I could get WJR in at night. Um, sometimes me and my dad would go out in the car and listen to it on the car. It was coming better on the car than it was on the old transistor radio. Yeah, Ernie Harwell was a great, great announcer. Um, you know, he was known for, you know, somebody catch a foul ball. And he said that was caught by a guy from Kalamazoo or that was caught by a guy from Saginaw. Mm-hmm. And there were people that actually believed he knew where those people were from. He just made it up. It was kind of like, you know, a joke with the fans. And um, but I always thought that was pretty funny. Maybe when I was a little kid, I believe you knew where they were from too. But I always thought that was funny. People thought he actually knew where these fans were from out in the stands. But um, and I think this is right. I think you know everybody talks about um, was was a, a Gus Hodges and had the call on the shot heard around the world on the Bobby Thompson home run. Uh, I think on the radio, Russ Hodges. Russ Hodges, yeah. But Ernie Har- yeah, Ernie Harwell, I think had uh, he ha- he either had the TV call or the radio call. Everybody's familiar with Hodges' call. Of course, you always see that with the video. But then Harwell was, work, I think, working for uh, Brooklyn, and he left to go somewhere. He, he, I think he was with Baltimore before he was with the Tigers. And Ben Scully basically got, like, you know, filled in for, you know, replaced him in Brooklyn. So that those two have a connection besides being Hall of Fame announcers. But, yeah, I, I didn't get the MLB package this year because the Tigers are so horrible and just, frustrating but when i did get the mlb package one thing i love to do is watch the dodger games i didn't really care about the dodgers you know not a dodger fan but i just love listening to, to vin scully of course as a kid i remember him doing all the world series games the games the week with joe garagiola and but yeah vin, I, I remember him i think he was a game show host maybe i'm getting mixed up but he, he just did everything you know he, he was like the total package he did, he did golf football uh he, he was awesome I think he did. It. I think I, I think he did a, t- a game show. That's true. That's true. It's funny when you when you look at like a guy like Vin Scully, who's it takes two thought of as as a Southern California guy. And of course, he lived there for most of his life. But he's from New York. He still had that accent for all those years. Ernie Harwell is from the is from Georgia, if I remember correctly. And he's interviewed as the legend in Detroit. Mel Allen, longtime legendary Yankees announcer, he was traded from the Atlanta Crackers. He still had that Southern twang. Eli Gold, who is the voice of Alabama football and a legend, certainly not starting the season this year because of health issues. He's a New York native. Sounds like it. They love him in Alabama. Paul Eels, not from Arkansas, uh, Iowa, if I remember correctly, and didn't sound like everybody. You don't have to be from the area in order to connect with listeners. You didn't even have to sound like everybody that you're talking to. Vince Scully didn't sound necessarily like Southern Californians did. And Harwell, it didn't sound like Detroiters. 
Yeah, it's funny. Ernie Harwell was from Georgia, and when I when I met him and talked to him, you know, I told him I was from Arkansas and doing this story on George Kell, and he said, "Do you know Frank Broyles?" And I said, "Yeah, I, I know Frank Broyles. He actually called some of Frank Broyles' high school games." Wow. Uh, down there in Decatur, <laughs> wow. Georgia, which is basically the Atlanta, greater Atlanta area. I don't know what they called it back then, but so um, well, one thing it tells you is everybody knows Frank Broyles or knew Frank Broyles. Um, but yeah, Ernie Harwell um, from Georgia, he, he, yeah, it, he actually got traded uh, for like a catcher or something. I'm trying to remember. It's, it's amazing what they used to do back then with announcers. Uh, I guess now they'd give them draft picks or something, but um yeah, Vince Scully, you know, I, I actually started following him on Twitter a few months ago, and he'd go on there once in a while and post stories and videos, and I, I guess he must have been ill, unfortunately, because um, he said he passed away at home, um, so I didn't know if he had an illness or what happened, but, you know, 94 years, and he, and he was, um, you know, an announcer all those years. I remember being in Cooperstown a long time ago, um, and... Um, one of the things that's fun to do there is go in the theaters and watch uh, like clips. And they had this one theater. They would play like I think they would play the entire World Series games. You know, like for so you could go there if you wanted to and watch mm-hmm. three hours or something, probably two hours. Okay, but I, I went in there just to sort of get off my feet for fifteen twenty minutes. And they were doing like the nineteen fifty something World Series, and Ben Scully was doing it. And I remember thinking, my God, this is like nineteen fifty four or what? Fifty what? And he's doing the game and. This was probably like 2000 or something. I, I was, I, I'd been covering something out there in Buffalo Track Nationals, and I did a side trip to Cooperstown when it was over. And I started thinking, I cannot believe Vince Scully was doing this, you know, like 40 years ago. But it, he just had, he had an incredible career. I mean, he had long, he had quality and quantity of a career. Yeah, he definitely did, Bob. And that, that was some great stuff, a little trip down memory lane. Now, for the th- things that's going on, you know, today that are, that are newsworthy is, um, Hey, well, we're going to start with basketball and then I guess we move into football camp that's going to start because I think one thing that's a little troublesome is that Nick Smith didn't practice yesterday, uh, had his finger wrapped up. What What's the, the latest on that? And are is he going to play in Europe next week? Well, we, we don't know. And it was, yeah, he, he, I mean, he was at practice. He dressed out. He shot on the side. He, it's his left hand. He's a righty. But he had, um, it's his, um, left index finger and uh, we asked Eric Musselman afterwards about it and he said he'd heard it Monday in Monday's practice and you know that they did MRIs and x-rays and everything and they determined doctors determined medical staff that's a deep bone bruise so I mean the thing is you know they're not playing Kentucky you know on Friday mm-hmm. on Saturday whatever for the SEC title so um, I'm sure they're going to be ultra careful I'm sure he'll make the trip and um, Eric said he was going to, uh, Nick Smith was going to be a uh, visit the doctor again tomorrow on Friday, and they'd get an update. But, of course, they don't leave till Saturday, and then they play on Tuesday, and then they, I can't remember the exact day, so they play about every other day there. So, you know, there's still several days that he could get to play some. But, you know, bottom line is you're not going to take it. You wouldn't take a chance with anybody, but especially with Nick Smith. I mean, you know, the number one recruit in the country or top three or four, depending, I guess, on who you, talk, you know, who rates them. But, um, so, I mean, I don't think it's anything to be worried about. It's, it's, a like I say, if this was, you know, the NSA tournament week or something, yeah, that'd be something to be worried about. But at this point, um, you know, Hey, if he's going to get hurt or if anybody's going to get hurt, good to do it now rather than later. And, 
I guess at this point, you just have to say Eric said he's day to day. Well, I, I wasn't able to to make it up to Fayetteville yesterday, so I need you to be my be my eyes. Is did anybody jump out at you from an improvement from last week to to this week that that maybe wasn't very impressive or really jumped off the page to you last week, but you you saw some improvement? Uh, it was a really a different kind of practice. You know, last week, I guess on purpose, they did a lot of scrimmaging, and I think they sort of wanted to you know get guys dunking on video, you know, get fans to <laughs> more excited than the already are. This is much more probably of a normal practice where there's a lot of station work, um, a lot of defensive drills. Um, and I just, like I say, I still think they look, look really good. I mean, I wrote something about Ricky Council for, for today. Of course, a lot of that stuff has been gathered over the last few weeks, but, um, one thing that was really interesting, you know, and we know they do these, these, you know, put put pressure on themselves, these free throw drills, and they had a deal where guys would be at different baskets spread around the court because, you know, they got like one, two, they got eight, eight or something. And uh, when you get all the all the ones on the side, and they it was the end of practice, and they had to hit like eight in a row or something. If they missed two, like let's say a guy hit one, hit one, hit one, miss, hit, miss, then everybody got down to pushups, including Eric. Which goes to show you, his, you know, his surgically repaired shoulders okay, and uh, the whole staff would come there and do push-ups. And I, I wish I'd started counting because I didn't know they were going to do it for so long. And, but I remember thinking, well, gosh, I think they went down nine or ten times. And uh, I did some to Eric about, it. you guys must have done a hundred push-ups. And he's well, somebody said we did ninety. So, um, well, that was really interesting. That um, you know, and he was talking to about, hey, this is more pressure you're going to have in the game, you know. Um, and that, that's something they, they, they do a lot. It's not just something we get to see very often because the practices are closed. But I, I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, just another good, you know, they, they look like they're in very good shape for this time of the year. I mean, that, Eric definitely looked like he was in midseason form. He he was unhappy about someone having to go online and run. And he was wearing his, you know, his big Padres thing. He was wearing a Padres hat and T-shirt. Not t- yeah, T-shirt for was it Slam Diego and he had yeah, Soto? I saw that. I know that's his team. That's, that's the team he grew up rooting for, but yeah. he's got to be feeling his oats oh, yeah. after the Soto trade now. Oh, yeah. He actually worked for the Padres when he was in college, and he played basketball at University of San Diego, and his dad was good friends with Ray Kroc, the Padres owner. So Eric had a job. Um, I don't know if he called Mark. Probably customer relations. I remember talking to him about it one time, and he said basically, you know, whatever complaints. He was like in the complaints department. He mentioned like, People put fireworks in the toilet. They ran out of beer. Someone's messed up with parking. Whatever. Well, he was kind of running. You know, he was not running it, maybe, but he was in the complaints department. So it was kind of like, hey, there's there's an issue in the bathroom. You got to go fix it. So I mean, you talk about starting at the bottom, you know. But here's a guy who's in college or for a major league team, you know, and he was there in the '80s when they were actually pretty good. I think he was there when they had their World Series team, where of course the Tigers beat. Uh, he was really impressed. You know, when Ken McReynolds was was their center fielder. You know, from Arkansas, Eric was working for him. So, yeah, he loves baseball. He, If you are on Twitter, I think he's met half the major, or not met, you know, he, he's really good friends with Phil Nevin, the uh, the Angels manager. And he spent time with a bunch of other managers uh, this year. If you like to so go on Twitter, he's got his picture taken with, with about half of the major league managers, it seems like. Hey, Bob, we're up against it. we got to run. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, as always, for hopping on with us. Okay, you guys take care. Yeah, Thanks, Bob. You, you got it. I love the story of Eric, of Eric Musselman's father writing the letter to, uh, I guess it was Ray Kroc, who might have still been the owner of the Padres, then saying, oh, I, 
you need to hire me as the manager now. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, that would have been the early 1980s. There were some interesting decisions by ownership to bring managers in. Because I think the Padres also brought Jerry Coleman out of the booth into the, into the dugout as a manager. Broadcaster to manager one year back into the booth. Um, I mean, Ted Turner hired himself as the manager that for one did. game. Uh, didn't really go very well. He was never a manager again after that. Maybe maybe Bill Mossman could have been a pretty good manager. I bet he could have. Um, yeah, we better step aside here, and we're going to wrap halftime up right after this quick commercial break. Eastside Liquor has more than just liquor. They also have wellness products and now carry Marley CBD gummies. They come in amazing flavors like Island Punch and Coconut Vanilla. They come in 200 milligram tin packs, so stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue and pick some up today. Now, back to the podcast. Well, I got a home run derby starting today at the Cal Ripken Major 70 World Series in Branson, Missouri. Uh, This is a great event uh, that is going on uh, for the next 11 days in Branson. And we're going to be there on August the 12th for Championship Day. It's the day the USA and International Championships are decided. Uh, This is, again, it's the Cal Ripken 70 World Series. 12 years old are the players that come from Mexico, Japan, Canada, Korea, the U.S., and beyond. Uh, they are great ball players. Very well could be some of the guys you could be seeing playing in the SEC at some point or in the majors. And you can go to baberuthworldseries.org for more information. Got the home run derby today and pool play starts tomorrow. Uh, speaking of baseball, you got the Cardinals and Cubs underway in the third inning. Chicago leading one to nothing. And then they got the uh, second game later on today. Uh, for this uh, day-night doubleheader. Uh, all right, I saw... How was the ball I, game last night? Yeah, I saw Isaiah Campbell pitch yesterday for the Arkansas Travelers. That mm-hmm. was awesome. Uh, I, I took the kids to Dickey Stevens Park. It was a Travelers-Midland Rockhounds game. Uh, the Rockhounds are the Athletics affiliate. Travs have been the Mariners for, I think it's been six years now. And Zay made his double-A uh, debut yesterday. As the closer for the Travelers. Good for him. Didn't get a save chance because they scored two runs in the bottom of the eighth and had a five-run lead in the ninth inning instead of the, a three-run lead. Um, and I, I went down to basically field level to watch him pitch. His slider looked really good. He got messed. He got uh, screwed over by his third base when he botched double play ball. Mm-hmm. An umpire, I think, missed a play at first base as well. So he did give up a couple of hits. Should have just given up one. Struck out two, including the last batter of the game. And uh, signed a few autographs. There were plenty of great seats available. Um, but then again, it was like 95 mm-hmm. degrees. Yeah, I mean, it's from videos and everything that I saw from both you and uh, a few other uh, people around Arkansas. It seems like it was a great debut for for the former hog, I- Isaiah Campbell. And ho- hopefully he's able to do many good things with his time with the Travelers and then ultimately able to move up. What is their AAA affiliate? The, where, where is, I'm it's guessing that's coma. probably out. Yeah. Tacoma? They've been in Tacoma for years. That's what years. I figured, to be out, you know, closer to the big ball club. Yeah. It would have been, you know, I saw one of the Midland Rockhounds is Jeremy Ironman, who was on that 2017 Missouri State uh, Bears ball club that beat Arkansas in a home regional. And he didn't play because he's got a hamstring strain. But I, I know the Midland hitting coach 
Todd Takayoshi, he used to be the Travelers hitting coach, and I see that last name. I'm like, that's Ironman. I know that name. Mm-hmm. He hit a home run in the deciding game uh, of, that, uh, of that regional. Uh, I think it was a 2 nothing final score, and I think he had a solo home run. And, and he came over, and, and we talked for a moment. It was like, you remember when we played until 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> and then the same day you went out and hit a home run and beat Arkansas? Gee, thanks for that. But we did get your, we did get your hitting coach and recruiting coordinator to join the program. <laughs> I think a couple weeks later, Nate Thompson jumped, up from, jumped from Missouri State to Arkansas. Well, I mean, that's always good when you're you, – you might have lost the battle, but you, you – May have also won the war with Nate Thompson. How'd the kids enjoy it? Too? Oh, they loved it. Gabe, Gabe got a ball. Gabe got a ball. Oh, good. good. And Sadie uh, brought a friend with her, uh, so she had somebody to sit with and 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 talk with. And this friend of hers, a young lady named Teresa, is as well versed in Arkansas Razorback athletics as any of our listeners. Really? As I drove her home last night to drop her off after the game, did you need to watch my back for my job? She gonna she's come and take ask, it? She's asking questions about the current roster makeup of mm-hmm. Arkansas men's basketball, this 13-year-old young lady. <laughs> she doesn't listen to this show, at least I don't think she does. Maybe she's a fan. She could, maybe we could have her on the show at some point next week. She knows what's going on. <laughs> I was impressed. Sadie could take some notes. Uh, all right, we've made it to the end of the program today, and tomorrow is our last ever two-hour show on Halftime. So if you feel like being lazy, Drew, tonight's the night. I got you. I will be. Because <laughs> next week we're going a third longer. Can't Monday, wait. we start three hours from 11 until 2. So tomorrow is just a whole lot of easy fun on halftime. Appreciate Josh Rawich, the National Baseball Hall of Fame president, joining us. And Bob Holt from the Democrat Gazette. All of those interviews and the entire show will be on the Eastside Liquor podcast, which will be released uh, sometime soon after the show. And for Drew and Maddie, I'm Phil. Get up, get out, get better. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.